You can forget a lot of things, Foster Care Nation, but never forget this. You're listening to Unparalleled Studios. I signal. Okay, citizens of Foster Care Nation, we want to hear from you. We want to hear any stories that you'd like to share with us, anything that might be funny, inspiring, touching, heartfelt, all of those things. That's what people love to hear. So why don't you send us some of your stories? You can reach us at our voicemail line at 413-FOSTER-3. Again, that's 413-FOSTER-3. Now, we're going to assume that if there's any privacy rules that you need to follow, you've already followed them and changed any names that need to be changed because we will play some of this on the air. We look forward to hearing from you. Now, this voicemail has a limit of about, I think, 10 or 15 minutes. So anything longer than that, just contact me at jason at fostercarenation.com and we can sit down and talk about your whole story. Foster Care Nation, listen up. This is Foster Care and Unparalleled Journey. Strength for the powerless. Courage for the fearful. Hope and healing for wounded hearts. Hello and welcome back to Foster Care Nation with Jason and Amanda. And today we have Darren Fink with us again. Yeah! How are you doing today, Darren? I'm doing awesome. I love that. I love that applause. It was, it was, it was, it brightens my day. I need to like hire those people to like just follow me around and like encourage me. I, I, yeah, I have it on my phone so I can just hit it every time I do something I think is awesome. <laughs> I tried training my wife to do it for me, but it didn't work. After 20 years, you get a little tired. <laughs> so you're welcome. You welcome the button then, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Gives me a break. Yeah, buddy. All right. We, if this voice sounds familiar to you at all, we've talked to Darren before. Darren and Margie, his wife, have Transfiguring Adoption as their non-for-profit. And we have talked to them about what they do over there in the past. And right about now... One of the cool things that they're doing is there is a book out there for sale coming up very, very soon. I think the 11th of October. Is that right? Close. It's the 19th, actually. It's coming oh, up. So, yeah, you had it all. You're, you're right there. You're so close. So when this comes out, if you're listening to it fresh, it should be within a week or two. Or if you're listening to it in part of the back catalog, it's already there. Go find it. The book is Gruitt's Hope. And I... Would not spell that right if I was going to search for it. Darren, how do you spell that? Let's get it right. It is G-R-U-H-I-T apostrophe S and then hope. And it's part of our guide to magical creatures around your home series that we're building out. So if you like Harry Potter, Narnia, Lord of the Rings, that's what our critics are telling us. This book is all mashed up and like in one big goulash. You know, a couple of those things sound like they might be kind of popular. I think that it might fit into the <laughs> category of things people are looking to find out there. Absolutely. It's a, it's it's been actually a lot of fun. Um, you know, with any book coming out, you're nervous to give it out to people, to critics to see what they're gonna say. 
Um, but so far the critics have said only nice things about the book. So that's been really pleasing to me. And, and, and one thing that I'm not worried about or concerned about, but you don't want uh, your book to get caught in a niche where like, uh, like for example, with Transfiguring Adoption, we're obviously making sure that we're helping foster and adoptive kids, foster and adoptive families. But uh, the book does so much to show the general public what foster kids are going through um, that we want the general public to learn from it too. So um, one thing that's really exciting about this is that critics are telling us that they're just really excited. It's an entertaining book and it's a lot of fun. Um, people that they said their fantasy isn't even their genre are saying they're hooked on it by chapter two and ready to read on. So yeah, it's it's been great so far. That's awesome. That's awesome. Because yeah, I mean, I, if you get right down to it, the adoption story is one of the oldest stories in the world. I mean, uh, Harry Potter really falls right into that genre. Um, the uh, a lot of I had to remember it's been some years since I read all the Chronicles of Narnia, <laughs> but there was a lot of stories right. out there with kids who had an adventure that did not involve their biological parents guiding them through that. They had to find their own way. Absolutely. And so, yeah. And, and one thing that we're really trying with this book that we're really trying to break through is we're, so I, I, with, with your audience, we're, we're, we're talking, I'm talking to a lot of foster and adoptive folks, people that are on the journey um, in some role, whether you're a foster parent, adoptive parent, a professional, maybe you're being a former foster youth, listening. So one thing that we're really trying to look at is with all of those stories too that you see with orphans or kids in foster care being adopted is they they don't always get it right. They're not looking at it really like what what's happening. And so because of that, I feel like our children that are in the foster care system or they've been adopted, they they can't relate to those characters completely. Or if they do, they're getting it in their head that um, that Daddy Warbucks is going to show up at the orphanage at some point and whisk them away and adopt them and they're going to belong to a billionaire and get anything they ever, or, or, or like things are going to wrap up in neat little bows. Um, and what we're, Grits Hope, it's been nice for foster and adoptive families because we're really, it's not roses and rainbows. Like it's entertaining, it's fun. It is targeted for a middle school to high school audience, even older elementary, um, depending on maturity. But so it is fun and it, and it has like a kid-like fun to it, but we're being real with it. So um, there are things that are going on there. Like uh, the, the main character is um, mixed race and he's moving to a small town and, and that's predominantly Caucasian. So he is having to deal with racial prejudice. He's having to deal with a school bully. Um, he's having to deal with the fact that he just, he doesn't know anything. Like there's one chapter where he's having to, he's asking them like, do they, do they work at my, like, do, are they farmers? Are they like, are we going to have to work all the time? Like, do they even speak English at my new home? Like, like he's having all these questions and wonderings and trying to figure out what's my new foster home going to be like. So I, I think foster and adoptive parents are going to be really pleased with this one because it really, opens up an atmosphere of discussion with their kids. You know, that story of a brown kid in a white world is is one of those stories that needs to be told because it's it's a lot of the story of of foster care and adoption. It's those all these groups together that 
aren't necessarily always that put together. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, and I mean, like any author, like I'm drawing off of some life experiences. Like <laughs> I know a lot of people, like even my kids are like, they, they, when I use my kids as a sounding board, cause I, we have four kids adopted out of foster care and I'll use them as a sounding board for like, is this good? Is this not like, and, and as I'm <laughs> reading the chapters, they're like, is that me? Is that character me? That can't like, and then I'm like, no, that's not like, and I, I'm very, I'm very intentional that I'm drawing on life experiences, but I'm definitely embellishing things or I'm, I mean, it still could happen, but I'm not like, these aren't my kids. Like there, there are three foster kiddos that are the main part of the story and their foster parents. And um, there is a lot of, if, if, if you live, fun fact, if you live in or near Murfreesboro, Illinois, um, if you took the book around and he started reading, you could probably find some of the landmarks in the book around that small city or small town, I should say. Um, but yeah, everything's kind of embellished. It could really happen. It There's one moment in there with um, a teacher. And again, it's not a true thing. Like I, I have to be very intentional because I'll have like my kids past teachers listening and like, that was that me? No, it's, it's not. But there are instances, like we work with so many foster parents. I've heard so many times where there's one point where uh, Grit has to deal with a teacher and he doesn't even realize the second grade teacher is kind of being prejudiced with him because he's in foster care to the point where um, at the end of the school day, she is she keeps giving him kind of more instructions not to get in trouble than the other kids and so at the end of the school day like you know she's dismissing kids to go get to the bus line or to go to the parent pickup line and at one part in the book she calls grit up after his first day of school and says hey can you, you know come up to my desk but she didn't do this to any of the other kids she calls him especially up to the and says you know did you have a good first day yeah and says do you think you can find the bus line without getting in any trouble and she didn't ask any of the other kids that. She just told them to go, you know, go. Like, it's your turn, go. And so um, there are just little instances like that even where I've seen, um, I guess the general population not understanding foster kids even and just thinking that they've come from a troubled background and so they really have to watch them because they think they're going to get in trouble. So um, even, maybe not even racial prejudice, but just even the prejudice of being in foster care. I feel like some of our kids can relate to that um, and there's actually, if, if you guys read it, spoiler, there's like a fun, um, there's a Halloween party and the teacher wants to talk to the foster parents in this, in this um, kind of this sense of, I want to help Gruitt, but she's very much calling him out and like, I think he's a troubled person. And I think he's like, she has this sense of like making it sound good, but it's not. And the foster parents come to his rescue and kind of put the teacher um, like, I don't want to say in her place, but like kind of set her straight on like, um, I don't think we're going to talk about him like this, right? Because he's a student and he's a little boy. And um, I, I think it's really cool because foster parents and foster kids will be able to relate to that part. Because I think we've all been there where we feel like our kids are being judged, or our families are being judged. And I think for the general public, um, even educators, instead of getting defensive about stuff like that, like, well, I would never... I think it's a good time to stop back and just be like, what, what, what do I think of foster kids? Like what, like, cause this is happening, you guys, this is like the, like the prejudice against foster kids happens because we judge their background. 
So I think it's a good time for everyone in the general public to take a step back and just say, wow, if that's happening, how would I react in that situation? What should I be doing so that doesn't happen? Um, and there are just moments like that throughout the book. Oh yeah, we've uh, we've had our fair share of experiences. You know, when it comes just down to to straight up racial issues, I, I have a I have a guy I worked with, and don't get me wrong, good guy, I like him, but he made the mistake one day of looking at me in the face and saying, "You know, I don't think I don't think racism really even exists in America anymore." <laughs> And I said, of course you don't. You're a white guy with red hair who lives in middle Missouri who's never experienced that stuff. You look like everybody in your town, dude. Right. Yeah, he he got about a 30-minute lecture on some of the things that I've just personally seen and experienced. And, um, you know, even when it comes to to, from teachers or administrators who will say things that make you just cringe, we've – I've had that moment where I walked into a principal's office one day and said, we need to have a conversation. He said, okay. I said, hang on, I'm going to close this door because the kids don't need to hear what I'm about to say. Because <laughs> we're going to talk like grown men here. You know, we're not right. talking like kindergartners or second grade teachers. Well, we're going to talk like grown men because I have an issue. And fortunately, that particular principal, um, uh, call him, what's his name? Mr. Mr. Marshall, wasn't it? Yes. And Mr. Marshall, he was a good dude. <laughs> the issue was with one of the teachers. He was, I think he was a, an adoptive parent himself, if I remember right. I believe and, he was. You know, so, so he was, he had ears to hear was the big thing. And so one conversation and we fixed all of our problems immediately. But it, it's those things that, that really do happen. And most people don't realize the prejudices that they do carry with them. I carry some of them myself. We all do. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, even with um, going back to the book, like even with the main character, he, so like uh, some of, not only is he dealing with the foster care, being, having kids judge him because he's a foster kid and in the foster care system. Um, But um, he has to deal with the fact that his skin looks different than the rest of his classmates. And he has one um, student in particular that's, uh, her name is Judy, that sits next to him and her family is very prominent in this small little town. And I think um, if, if you're American and you're listening to this, you can identify with like the small town uh, mentality of like, there have been families that have been there for generations, maybe that started the town and it's hard to change that way of thinking. And, and you have some families that are more prominent than other, like, so she belongs to this prominent white family and she very much bullies grit because of his and says things to him like you know i bet your your parents because they're in second grade so it's like you know i bet your parents are gang members or they did drugs and that's why they can't take care of you like do they live in the projects and like making all these assumptions because he has dark skin like this is obviously his and he's in foster care that that obviously means his parents were in a gang um without and just making that judge and just like so i mean and that and that does and, and again, I'm drawing off of life stories and experiences that I've heard and, and witnessed and, and that that's happening in small town America and in America at large. And so I think it's um, one thing that I, ha- I like tackling in the book is there's um, a conversation between the foster dad and Grit at one point, just about all this stuff and all these feelings and all these things that are happening. And, and then showing um, in the book too, that the foster dad actually steps in at certain moments, not calling grit, like not saying like, hey, my son told me you're bullying him. It's, but just kind of stepping in and being that barrier between the bully and grit 
and talking to the little girl without directly coming out in front of her, um, but kind of putting her in her place too and kind of saying like, hey, like there's not gonna be a problem or else I'm gonna talk to your dad type of thing. And like, and I think our foster kids need to, our foster and adoptive kiddos need to see that that as um, caregivers, we, if they are having issues and they talk to us about something, we're gonna step in for them. And we like Jason, like you were talking about talking with the, to the principal, like our kids, because they've come from situations where maybe the parent, there, there weren't adults on duty that would step in for them or take notice. And so they need to see that we as caring people will step in, like no matter what the situation is, like if it's bothering them, we're going to step in and take care of them on their behalf. And they don't have to do this by themselves. Like, so I, I feel like that's a different divergence from those from other media in the past too, where it's like, um, like I'm thinking of like, like fun movies that like people, I've had a lot of people say, you know, like Hotel for Dogs. Like they're like, they love the movie because it's, it's funny and it's these kids doing all these things with dogs and creating a hotel for like, but it's these kids in foster care and they have to take care of themselves because no other adult will understand them and step in for them. So the kids have to take everything on and do everything. And so in this book, like I very much wanted to show that if the kids are having issues and problems, the adults will step in and they will figure things out together. And it's not perfect. Like it doesn't, like there are issues in the book and they're like, we don't candy coat stuff, they're issues. But somehow like through this whole mess, you figure it out I think as a family. Is, yeah, it's an important message for foster parents to hear that just the same as you would for your own kids, you need to be willing to step in. Every kid deserves somebody who's willing to fight for them. Absolutely. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it gives you, it, I mean, it really gives you hope. Like, I mean, the title says groups hope It gives you hope and it gives you encouragement so that you can keep going on. Um, I remember a mantra growing up that my dad used to use um, a lot was because um, I, I was bullied at school. Um, and so like being able to say, Hey, you're going to go to school. You're going to do the best you can. When you come home, we love you. We're proud of you always. Like, so just like telling me every day, you're going to go out there. It's uncertain. Be brave, get it done, and then come home where you're loved and safe and you're always accepted. And, and that was a huge message for me. And I think it's one that um, our foster and adoptive kiddos especially need to be hearing because they, they have the added struggle of their whole life being turned upside down in some way or shape or form. And feeling like the whole world knows about their story too, I'm certain, because mm -hmm. just last week on the episode there, that um, was uh, Darius Kimberling was talking about that. He was a young guy who was in foster care in Amarillo, Texas, I want to say it was. And as as a mixed kid, he's he like, like, I thought I was the only kid like in the whole world who was mm -hmm. who was in foster care. And everybody knew it and everybody knew that 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 about me and that was that was the place he talked very much about how that was the place that he came from he was a kid in foster care he was expected mm -hmm. to have problems he was expected to be a troublemaker because he was in rural texas in a very white community as a mixed kid and he was a kid in foster care and so he was going to be the problem you know the troublemaker that's what he was expected of him and I think, that's what his identity was that's what everybody was telling him this is your identity this is who you are mm -hmm. and and that's not the case you know but especially for our kids that have come through the system you know they they've lost they've lost a lot 
Mm-hmm. And it's our job to help them find some of that back and help with some of their insecurities and help them find their identity because even kids that are not in the system, they're searching for who they are. And it's our job right. to teach them. Well, I think that's part of our problem we, we have in this world today is so many young kids never figure that out. And then they grow into adults who don't have that, ident- that identity. And I mentioned a lot being part of a dad's group because some of these problems I see in guys who are 40, 50 years old who did not go through foster care, who weren't adopted out, who didn't have that loss of first family, didn't have these specific struggles, and they have never figured that out. How much more difficult is that for someone who, who's been through all those other struggles ahead of time? You know, we had a conversation with with our little guy the other day uh, who's who's was just, he said, Dad, what would you think if I wanted to talk to my biological mom? And well, I think if it's something that, if we could do it safely, that that's something we can definitely talk about. You know, why is that? What would you say to her? And we had this whole conversation and it's clear that he has a lot of questions in his head. And for a young kid who's in elementary school, some of the questions that he came up with were strikingly intense and like, whoa, where did this come from? Like, you're not old enough to be thinking this deeply. What the, what the heck? You know, <laughs> I mean, where, where did that come from? How, how does how do you have that in your head? But a lot of it is that those struggles that, that they're going to have to struggle with for a lifetime. Absolutely. And, you know, like with, with this book, like so with Transfiguring Adoption, a lot of things that we try to do is we're, we're trying to look at how parents can use movies, books, video games, and even everyday play to connect with their kids because we really think that through those things, we can have those big, heavy discussions because we're letting our guard down because we're no longer hitting the heavy discussions. We're no longer having those um, tough discussions head on. We're having them by looking at other characters or we're having them in a roundabout way and we're doing it through play or through something fun. And there's some heavy topics in here even with like with um, through foster care, uh, Grit's older sister, um, Amari, she uh, uses as a coping mechanism that she's happy all the time. So like it, it constantly through the book, she's sing-songy, she's, she's overly chatty, she's dancing, she's like, and again, drawing off of um, struggles that other kids we've seen have where they're just, they chatter all the time. Because if you're talking all the time, you don't have to think about the bad past stuff that happened because you're constantly talking. If you're happy all the time, you think possibly that that's what the adults want and you don't get hit, you don't get hurt because they want a happy kid. Um, and she even has issues with um, wetting, wetting the bed and wetting, like going to the bathroom in places she, like it's mentioned in there, but like a lot of kids and young kids or, or even older kids in the foster care system struggle with that because it might be a control thing or they're just scared of the dark. Something bad has happened as you can imagine in the dark um, in their bedroom at some point. And so they're scared to get up to go to the bathroom because they're scared that something's going to come get them or a person's going to come into their room. So they they don't want to get out of their room. Um, there, there's some heavy topics there. And so instead of talking directly with our children about this, like why not look at this book and see it happening to the characters and then talk about the characters. So then it's not so embarrassing. It's not, you don't feel like there's judgment because if there's judgment, it's on the character. It's not on me or my child. 
it's 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 being able to discuss these things in an open and judgment-free zone and the fun part too about it is as we introduce grit finds out that his foster parents have magical creatures living around their home and so there's this whole story introduced where there's this invisible world um, almost like a narnia type except they're not going into another world it just exists around them and so they're finding that there are these magical creatures that live around them and people just have kind of forgotten about them and, and don't realize that they're there. So it's this fun, entertaining way of introducing conversations about tough topics. Yeah, because there are lots of those tough topics, you know, and a couple of those you've mentioned, we've had kids with a lot of the, the bedwetting issues and, and you just name it. There's, I hate to say this out loud, God, this is not a challenge. Um, <laughs> we've had a lot of the issues that are out there show up in our home. And I, I always had to, to throw that extra message to God. So he knows I'm not trying to challenge him. Show me right. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear that. <laughs> yeah. I give. Yeah. Somebody somewhere told me God won't give you more than you can handle, but I, I we need to have a conversation with him about <laughs> what we're able to handle because it, it gets heavy some days, you know, some of these conversations you have with these kids, some of the things you deal with, some of their coping mechanisms, which can be so very difficult to handle. It's, it's, it's super difficult. So I love that you've, you found a way to take this and take the judgment off of it. Because the one thing I've learned about shame is, well, two things. Number one, it's, it's always unhelpful to, to throw shame into any situation. It never helps. And, and number two, it doesn't change behavior. It only drives it underground. And so now you have the same behaviors. It's just hiding underground and you get to deal with it, with the it existing. They just try to hide it from you. And when kids try to hide things, they're not always smart about it. <laughs> you think? No, and I, I, I've been guilty of sometimes when I'm at the end of my rope and I discover, I'm like, couldn't you hide it better just so I can like live in ignorant bliss for a little bit longer? <laughs> <laughs> but no, we actually, like I'll throw it out there too because it, it connects as we have um, a gal that um, she um, collaborated with or she, she looked through this with us um she's a former foster youth and we had her look through this book because um she consulted with us on it uh felicia neal she did an amazing job she's a former foster youth she's a foster parent herself now um but she it was interesting to have her look through the book because i, I mean i i'm a I, i'm a foster adoptive dad but i don't know what it's like from the kid first so like it was neat to have her be consulted on it and read through it and she even like it was interesting because there's that one part in the book um the foster parents live across the street from this old abandoned factory and you find out in the book that it, generations ago it used to be this thriving um business that you know the foster dad's um family owned um and now it's abandoned and uh the oldest child charty um he he keeps looking over at it and she like it was interesting when our our consultant was reading through it and she's like yeah the book's really good so far she's like i got a few changes to make and she's like why has that boy not run away from home like 20 times already and i'm like what do you mean and she's like there is an abandoned factory across the street she's like you cannot tell me he did not sneak out of the house in the middle of the night 20 times by now and go over there and figure out what's over in that factory and so <laughs> she didn't know like i i had already written that he was going over there like later in the book but it was so funny to hear her say that and to like kind of like just give me that like 
I don't know, permission that like, yeah, I'm on the right trail, like that affirmation that, yeah, this is what needs to happen. But she's like, it only happened this many times. She's like, I think I would have been over there way more playing or like, so um, yeah, it, it was it was interesting to have her read through things. And I actually had to cut things from the book um, because she was like, yeah, she's like, you're making my PTSD go all over the board here, man. She's like, like she's like, as a as a former foster youth, I don't want to hear that or be told that or be described as that. And so um, I think that's another thing that like as foster and adoptive parents and um, are reading, like introducing this to their children, they can they can know too that a former foster youth has gone through this. Felicia actually knows more about the book than I do. She's totally fangirled on this. Like <laughs> when we were going through the editing, I got to the point where I was like, the editors would tell me to change things. And I would call Felicia up and I was like, hey, so yeah, they're asking about this character and I forget, was it a brown, was it a brown vest that they were wearing or a black vest? And she's like, oh, it was brown vest. Like she knew like how many, like she knew all the things more than I did. Like, and, like it almost got to the point where I was like, like all the time, like, yeah, I know this is my world, but you know it better than I do right now. So, <laughs> like, that, that's but it's, yeah, it really was. It's it's really amazing. I'm right now. We're we're getting ready for um, Carrie Favol is getting ready to. She's a voice actress and she's getting ready to do the audio book um, for us too. So I'm excited about that also and for I'm our excited. kiddos that don't read. I'm excited about that too because I, I I don't read much. I have a book I've been working on. I think it's about 150 pages, and I've been working on this book for I don't know what three four weeks at least. Um, I, I'm terrible. I don't have time to sit and read, but I sit in in, in motion a lot in a vehicle, and there's always mm -hmm. Audible, and I, that's way better than listening to the same 40 songs over and over and over and over and over and over again. So I love that the, the audio book. Anybody out there who is an author, if you're not putting it on Audible, shame on you because I'm only going to be able to read so many books, print books, in a in a year's time, and it's not a big number. But I can listen to a thousand ebooks by the I'm sorry, Audible books over the, the course of the year. So that's one of those places that I don't know why more people don't jump into it. Perhaps it's cost. They just don't think it's as important as it is, but it is important because there's some of us who just don't have time to sit and read. No, it's huge. I think like, and even for our kids, like I, I'm totally with you on that too, by the way, like there, there's like actually several books that I'm like, so there's no audiobook, huh? Cause I could listen to it, but I don't know if I, I don't have time to sit and just read it. I could, I could listen to it while I'm doing something else. But, um, and then I have like, I, even personally, I have, I have a son with a cognitive disability and he, he loves stories, but he can't read his, his, his reading level is never going to be above a kindergartner. And so even with this, like he's helped me create some of the story, he can't read the book. So like, for me, it's even important just with our, our population of kiddos that they going through foster care or adoption, there might be some reason or other that's not cognitive. Maybe it's just that they have been moved around in the system so much that they've never been properly taught to read, but they could listen to an audiobook. Um, and fun fact, it's uh, they actually did a study that they were showing um, parts of the brain, like they, they, they were, you know, doing all the watching how the brain lit up and how a brain was engaged when you're reading a book. Um, the same areas that were engaged when you're reading a book uh, are engaged when you're listening to a book. 
So I thought that was interesting because I'm always like people are always seem to think that it's way better that you read the book than listen to the book. But I have to push back and I think that there is similar advantage then like after that hearing about that study, there's similar advantage to listening to the book. I think the worst is just not learning at all. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, but even if you talk to educators, you know, they know really quickly they don't do a great job all the time of putting it into practice, but they know that some kids are visual learners. They learn by right. what they see, they read, they they read it, they learn it. Some kids are audio learners. They they, they learn by what they hear. And then right. what's the third one? I think kinesthetic is the third kinesthetic. one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're much more hands-on. And unfortunately for me, I tend to be more kinesthetic than anything. And so, you know, that's great if I, if I have a teacher who's teaching that way. But if, if I can hear it, I that's definitely better than than uh, actually reading it because I'll read I, and I'll pick up what I read for at least the first three paragraphs. After right. that, my brain just kind of goes off and does its own thing while I'm sitting there. And, you know, I remember sitting in high school supposed to be reading this thing and I got a couple paragraphs out of it. And then I'm just, I, yeah, next weekend, last weekend, whatever the next thing to think about. That's where my brain is. I can't keep right. focused on what I'm reading that long. As a matter of fact, the book that I spent so much time reading, I found out the only way I can really read it and pick anything up is they have about eight to 10 page chapters in this book. And I'll get up in the morning before I go to work. I'll read one chapter a day, eight to 10 pages. More than that, I'm, I'm out. Right. <laughs> I've lost yeah, that's a thing. It. For sure. Yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah, that's definitely a thing. Like we all learn and uh, read things in different ways. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that through this, like it's, it's really our hope that um going back to like play like that that using that too um is going to be able to help kids to learn more and get more out of it than that and, and again it's i'm really I, i'm really proud of it that it's it's really stood as far as the critics and making it through my consultant and different editors it's really stood it's it's it, i we had one gal that sent me a review back and um, my wife, Margie, had to laugh at it because we, we had someone that sent a review back and it was a good review, but the review said, this is the most honest and realistic portrayal of foster care that I have ever read before in a book. And my wife is laughing at it. And I'm like, what, that's a good review. Like that's, really... she's like, Darren, you have magical creatures all over this book. This is the most real, like portrayal of foster care that she's ever read and i'm like yeah you know what she meant she's like i know but you know i don't remember magical creatures in our journey through foster care but like so it's but i i really do think that we're hitting on issues in there and we're hitting on the feelings um even to the point where um i mean they have they have visitations with their the the three children have visitations with their mom and so they're having to work through those feelings of seeing their their birth mom and work through the feelings of um, being in a new foster home and liking being in the new foster home, but still missing their mom a lot um, and wrestling with all that. So yeah, we've seen a lot of those struggles. You know, I go back to the the story of of K and A just because that's privacy rules. I can't give you their real name. Uh, right. <laughs> we need they we, sound like they're from men in black though so that's kind of cool like agent cage and a <laughs> hey, hey, don't don't tell the secrets of who they really are now <laughs> <laughs> no, 
but but that's one of the the parts of, of their story is is the the little boy was he was the target of abuse and for quite a while he had to do visits with his biological mom who was the abuser in his life and that's something that most people don't even think about mm-hmm. and i think as foster parents we have that a little bit more of a perspective to see some of those struggles that kids go through. And I think it's great that you're, you're letting that, that part of the story show through as true because nobody wants to believe that an abusive parent gets visitation. Right. And it's so, and, and one thing that I'm trying to broaden to with, um, even just with, with parent, like the general public and educators and different things too, is so one thing that I wanted to make sure that I, I did, um, because this has been my, ex- not, not all of my experiences, but, but a couple of my experiences with, with birth parents was that, um, like we have had the situations where there was abuse and there were like, it was, it was definitely an unsafe situation, but there've been some situations where we've had too, where um, they just, the, 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 they were just down on their luck. And so in the book too, um with this one their mom is just down on her luck like she didn't do like she has i guess spoiler alert so the their mom i guess it's not really a spoiler it's at the beginning um she has three jobs like she's 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 a single mom and she's just trying to make it with three kids and all she can afford is this podunk apartment she has three jobs so she never says so the oldest charity is in charge a lot of the time he's taking care of everyone um, and Gruet has a lot of remember, remembrances of his mom coming in late at night between jobs and singing him to sleep. Like he would wake up, but then she would sing him back to sleep before she had to go to her next job. And so it just got to the point where she just couldn't catch a break. And she could like, they eventually found out that, you know, like mom's never home to take care of the kids. And so it, it's, I guess what, like we're trying, I, I want the general public to know, cause I feel like there's the stigma that, that all kids in foster care must've come from crack homes or something like that, where it's not like with Grid, it's not the case. Like he's getting made fun of at school a lot and kids are assuming all this stuff, but his mom's just really like, she just can't catch a break and she just really needs someone to help her. Um, and, and he'll, um that I can't go into because there's going to be a lot more in the second book that goes into that but um she like where he's just always feels bad for his mom and once has that struggle of I really want to go back home and he understands that it wasn't safe for him to be in that situation but at the same time he knows his mom really loved him and so it's the struggle of like even like, what do I call my foster mom and dad? Because I feel like I'm betraying my mom because I don't want to call, like, I really love my mom and she loves me. And, but I don't want to call the foster mom, mom, because she's not my mom. And what do I do with that? And, um, and, and just even paying attention to how the foster parents are treating the birth mom and stuff like that. And they're really like, I, I made sure that the foster mom, she's writing encouraging notes to her all the time. And, and different things like that. And, and not all the kids have like this half, like Grit kind of has like this more like happy-go-lucky. I'm, I'm glad that they're connecting well and they're, they feel good about my mom, but not all the kids have that happy-go, like in their, they feel that the foster parents are out to get them no matter what and different things like that. So it's, I feel like these are conversations that really need to be had like in a foster home and even like with, um, in certain situations with birth parents, because there are a lot of feelings and emotions going on with the kids. 
um, and it's kind of the elephant in the room, right? Like they're, they're, if a kid's in foster care, they're having these thoughts anyways. Like they're thinking about their birth parents. They're thinking about you as the foster parents or the, like, even if it's an adoptive, open adoption, like they're thinking of you as the adoptive parents. Like, I love you guys, but at the same time, I have my mom that I miss and, or my dad that I miss. And it, these, the emotions have to be talked through. Cause like Jason, what you were talking about, it's, it's, it just gets kind of shoved under the carpet and lays dormant, but it's never dealt with. You know, it sounds like this book ought to be some sort of required reading for any anybody who's looking at becoming a foster parent, because there's so many parts and pieces here that are so important that when we started, I don't think we had a clue about. No, we didn't. And the one thing that I was thinking about while I was sitting here listening is I just, I love the fact that this book presents opportunities for discussions and not just discussions in the foster home or the adoptive home, but open it up to schools and teachers and kids. Because I, I know one thing that some of our kids struggle with is when they talk to their friends about, yeah, I'm adopted. The other kids, they have no idea. And some of the questions that our kids get can be really hurtful. And they're not even meant to be hurtful. It's just because it's unknown and it's not talked about enough. And so I think that's what I, I'm really taking away is I just, I love the fact that this is going to present so many opportunities for discussion, for change, for our kids. And I just and think it's, it's amazing. Yeah, and I'm excited too. Like there's even the part in there where, where the only reason kids know that he's in foster care, like I feel like our kids feel like when they go into school, like if they're adopted or in foster care, like people just, they think that just everyone knows. Like we've even had teens that have gone to high school and they're just like, everyone knows I'm in foster care. And we're like, did you tell them? And we're, they're like, no. And we're like, well, we didn't tell them. We can't. And your teachers aren't, can't tell them. So unless you tell them, no one knows you're in, I mean, no one knows that you're in foster care. Like, so, but like, even like in the book, like grit, like his, what happens is his sister blabs to in order like she's she's miss happy-go-lucky and wants to like make friends so she uses that to make friends and just chats away and blabs and so that's how the other kids find out that he and, but it's it's dealing with those emotions then too like now everyone knows I'm in foster care um because my sister blabbed about it without my permission and so him having to deal with that betrayal and like feeling hurt because now kids know some like his dirty little like what he sees as his dirty little secret that he didn't want out so yeah i think it would I, for schools i think it's 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 a must because i think it's important for for educators but but the kids in the classrooms any kid needs to know like to empathize with kids like what if they find out that a kid in their class is in foster care what if they find out they're adopted what if they find out they're going their parents are going through a bad divorce like they need to find figure out like how how are these kids feeling what are they going through like they need to know like they feel betrayed they feel scared they feel like they're less than you um so that like through that like teachers can like carry this conversation of how do we make them not feel that way because it, it's it it affects i feel like once that's out and once a child feels like that it impacts their whole learning environment because they don't feel safe at school so now they can't learn because they don't feel safe. They feel less than everyone else. And they're just trying to survive in the school system. 
And I don't know if the general public sees it to that degree. They just think that, oh, that poor kid. Well, yeah, that poor kid is struggling through something that we need to help them through, but that's, it's struggling so much that it's impacting their learning. Like they, they are going at school and they cannot concentrate on addition facts right now because all they're thinking about is all my classmates know that I'm in foster care, I'm less than them, and I have to somehow figure out how to belong, how to survive the day, and, and how to make it back to my foster home, which I'm not even comfortable there yet. So, I mean, it, it's, it's a lot for a young kid. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the, with teachers, I think, you know, teachers who are listening, that's something that you need to know the power you have there as well. And because you can set that tone for these kids. I, we have, um, I had one particular teacher we reached out to recently and said, Hey, um, there's some things you need to know. You know, we, we've got a kid he's, you know, who's in your classroom, he's adopted, but he went through a real rough deal in the beginning. And we've worked with professionals, psychologists, that sort of thing. And here are some of his coping mechanisms. And here's what you're going to see when that coping mechanism shows up. And when it does, here's some, th- some effective ways to deal with it. Because if, he, if she doesn't have that piece of knowledge, you know, one particular kid, he struggles with dissociation. When he gets, when his amygdala fires up, when he goes to fight or flight, he dissociates, which means he's no longer there. He's not present in the room with you. And I know that because I've seen it happen. And, and I know that because I think it's one of my own coping mechanisms, but we're not going to talk about my own issues here. But we, we talked with, with a, a play therapist who's working with him a lot and said, hey, how do we go through, how do we deal with this with school and, and got some tips from her that we could pass on to, to the teacher as well. But that teacher has so much, as long as you give the teacher the knowledge, they have such an ability to be able to step into that in a healthy way and build some stuff around this that's healthy for the kids, as opposed to letting the kids go all Lord, Lord of the flies in the classroom and turning it into whatever kids will turn it into. Because I don't know about your elementary school. Mine may have just been specifically bad or, or weird, but you know, I, I, the first time I was ever called a racial slur was in second grade, right? Like these kids aren't always aren't always angels, you know. And I'm not even mad at that particular kid because in second grade somebody learned that from a parent. That's where that came from. But that stuff is it's there. It's that the kids deal with it, and a teacher has the the not just the ability. I think the responsibility to set that tone to say, hey, here's some important things that, that we're going to, some things we're going to live by in this class, and here's some things we're going to do, and and not allow that stuff to, to be what it's all about, so the kid can get some education, because just like you said, sitting there knowing how to do double-digit addition is struggle enough in second grade, a kid doesn't need to be trying to figure that out while he's worried about what everybody else thinks, because he has this unique situation that nobody else has in the room, and he's he's bothered by what's going on and can't take the time to understand the school lesson well and i mean that's the thing the teacher inadvertently said something that hurt his feelings too and so that automatically like closed him off to her he was like i'm done she's mean to me you know she told him he needed to get his hearing tested and it just it really upset him because he's like i can hear just fine mom and i'm like i I know you can you know but we have to be willing to talk and open the discussions because if you don't you can't change anything and so i think that's the most powerful thing is i really feel like this book is going to help change some things well and one thing that and and that i want to make sure that i that i get out to is that um 
a lot of what we do at Transfiguring Adoption, whether we're doing our, our movie reviews or, or, or whether it's something like this or our play therapy type stuff, or I guess I should say play, not play therapy, playful engagement activities, is we're creating this atmosphere where we can out loud one do wonderings. Cause so there, a lot of times our kids are thinking things and we can't just assume that because they're not talking about it, that they're not thinking it. Um, again, I'm gonna go through Like I have like all these studies that I've read and I, I can't like say, well, it was the Johnson and whatever stuff. Like I, but it, trust me, there's a, there, there's a study out there where they, they went to the support group or, or some sort of group where there, there were foster parents and there were kiddos. And they had, you know, they had childcare and they had the adults. So they go to the adults and uh, apart from the kids and they said, you know, how often are your kids thinking about their birth families? Like, are they thinking about them every day? Are they thinking about them once a week? What? And, and so, you know, the parents kind of, I don't remember the exact responses, but it was, it was to the effect of like, yeah, our kids might think about them periodically. It might be now and again, it might be. And they pose the same question and scenario to the kids, like how often are you thinking? And every single kid said they think about their birth family every day. The takeaway sure was- I'm pretty sure that what, was the Johnson and whatever study. I remember that one. <laughs> right, the Johnson and Smith. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was um, actually, Melissa Corkum talked about that when we had her on. Yeah. I, and I forget, I, I, again- Melissa I, Corkum would know. If yeah. she oh, said yeah. it was Johnson and something, she would just- <laughs> It was, <laughs> oh yeah. She's We're just going it. with that for today, I like it. <laughs> But no, but it just, it, it proves that our kids, like we, we need to wonder things and get our kids to talk because they're thinking about stuff. And with this book, again, it, and any of the things that we do at Transfiguring Adoption, we're, we're trying to take this approach of how can we make these out loud wonderings? So, um, so Grit's having an issue at school. So that gives me permission after I've read this book with my child, I read a chapter with them. I can now say, wow, you know, Grit had a really, this girl's bullying him. What do you think that feels like? And that gives my child permission now to talk about bullying to the point where we can talk about bullying, but then eventually bring it back around to where I can say, have you ever felt like that? Does that ever happen to you at school? And while we've already talked about it, so now it's, it's out in the open, we've talked about some, and, and usually when the kids are talking about the issues, like if I just say, what do you think, how do you think grit feels? Well, they'll start answering that question, but where do you think they're getting the ideas from? From their own life. So that's the reason they know how the characters are feeling because they feel that way. And so it just really opens up like, wow, I didn't know you were feeling that way or think, or I didn't know you were being bullied at school. Like, and then that is awesome because then as a parent that allows you to step in if you need to and say, hey, do you need me to go to school and talk to the teacher? Do you need me to do this? And it might be bad enough where it's a, more of a conversation of, I am going to do this. I, it's not your fault. You're not like, don't be embarrassed. This is the, like, this is what adults do, like at this point, like, um, but, but it goes through the back door instead of confronting it where a, a kid is going to feel embarrassed about it. And it, I think we need to be more intentional as adults, educators, parents, to just open wonderings and trying to figure out what our kids are thinking. Cause just because they're not talking about it doesn't mean they're not thinking about stuff. Oh yeah. And it doesn't mean that stuff isn't happening either. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I'm really excited myself to sit down 
with the kiddos and and read through this book just because when you can have those discussions with your children you know it makes your children feel like you care and you're interested in them and you want to be part of their lives and you can really build some connections there and when kiddos come into the system that's really hard to do in the beginning is to build connections and build trust and honesty and things like that so you know, I think it's a really good thing. And I'm really excited to start it with my kiddos just to see where the discussions lead. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you guys. So people can take a look at the book. Um, we're taking orders right now on the book, uh, depending on when this comes out. So like Jason was mentioning, October 19th is uh, 2021 is when the release date is, um, but we have pre-release books right now. So we actually have like the, the printers actually sent us pre-release copies of the books. So I have those in my office right now that people can order. Um, but that's at magical creatures without the last E.com. GoDaddy told me if I wanted the actual correct spelling of the domain, I was going to have to pay like a thousand dollars or something like that. And it was wow. like five dollars. If I if I left out the E, it was like five bucks. So I'm like, you do the math. Which one am I going to choose? Right. So it's magic, magical creatures without the last E dot com. Uh, you can go there. And we actually have our playful engagement uh, activity book that already came out, but it goes along and it complements the book that's coming out now. So you can take a look at that. Um, and right now, so if it's if it's within the first, when, when this comes out um, until the end of November, I'm going to be autographing books that are going out in the mail from our from our website. Oh, cool. uh, if you get them from Amazon, I can't control that. So, but if you get them <laughs> from our website, I'll be autographing them so you get an autographed copy. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this should come out on the 7th of October. And, um, well, hang on. I just lied. I'm looking at the wrong month on my schedule. September. I'm not that smart. <laughs> don't, don't blame me. I can't help it. I'm not that smart. <laughs> Should come out on the 5th of October. I was only two days off. That's all. Yeah, it is only two days. <laughs> yeah. It, it, well, the 5th or the 12th, but it, it will be before the, before the book goes released. So I have to look at the content schedule because I should have it all off the top of my head. And I am awesome like that, that I can guess kind of close. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be the 5th or the 12th that it's coming out, which will at least a week before the book's release. So, yep, you said Magical Creatures without the last E. Is dot com. Dot com is the website. And you can go there and pre-order it there. Excellent. I'm, yeah, because that's one of those things that I think people need to be a little bit more aware of is that, oh, hey, absolutely. just because you can get it from Amazon doesn't mean you always should. <laughs> I mean, actually, Amazon is I, my friend. I, I love Amazon. I'm not going to lie. I, I will tell you guys, if you get it from our website, we get more profit. Um, Amazon takes a hefty chunk. And um, if and I'm not saying that because the author gets paid more. I'm saying that because we're running a nonprofit. Transfiguring Adoption has published this book, and so we're able to put the profit back into our services and programs, helping kids. Uh, if you get it through our website, um, the other thing too, I'll tell you guys is uh, if, if people want to join our Facebook and uh, Instagram uh, pages for the book. Again, it's at at Magical Creatures without the last e, and and there they can connect with us and and follow us and have conversations with us but all, all of that helps us to to reach more people and to help more families so 
I'm really excited to be a part of it. That all goes in the show notes and everything. But um, I'm kind of interested. You hinted that, you know, this is not going to be the only book. Are we looking at a really big series here? Wow, Amanda, you caught that one. Um, Yeah, we so it's I'm going to throw it back to your to your listeners. It's totally dependent on them. Um, I will say that uh, <laughs> the board at Transfiguring Adoption really pushed me to get this this book. I, I, I like I, I, I've told people when the activity book came out, I was really hesitant to put the book out because it's based on a lot of fun memories from that I had with my kids, and and it, putting that out in the public, like you're you're like putting it in front of critics, and and I'm like I don't want to lose those good memories with my kids or tarnish them. Um, but the board, everyone's been really encouraging and it's been really good. So the first book's out in our end of October. If it, if it succeeds, the board at Transferring Adoption has told me I need to do um, at least two more. So Gruitz, Gruitz Strife, which is the second book, is already in the works. Um, and it is, if this book performs well, it'll come out next year. So the second, second part of Gruitz Adventures will come out. And the third part, uh, the third book will uh, be the, not the end of his adventures, but the end of the adventures that you join him with. So, I mean, I, I, it, if it really goes well, I'll, I'll tell you the crate, you want to hear, I don't, I don't think I've told anyone else this outside of the board talking about it. So my wife has a crazy idea. Do you guys remember the babysitters club books? Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So my wife, um, who's on our executive team because she's the co-founder of Transfiguring Adoption. She's presented that she would like this to turn into something similar to that where um, the first three books follow Grit's adventures and his siblings' adventures with Mr. and Mr. Wonder, who are the foster parents. But at the end of that, have like another set of books where it's a new set of kiddos and they come to the Wonders House and, and different things happen with them. So it keeps going on with different scenarios and different types of kids and different struggles and different things like that. So that's long-term, but again, it's totally up to you guys as listeners, like what, what happens here, like with uh, how people follow us on social media and how people take to the book. Well, it sounds to me like they've got some work cut out for you. I was going to say, I'm excited to go on the adventure. I I am too. I'm on the set. I'm ahead of you guys. So I'm on the second book <laughs> adventure and it's, uh, it's, it's uh, the second adventure is going to be, um, gosh, I haven't, like, I haven't thought about this, like talking with this with anyone. Cause I haven't thought about telling it to anyone. Cause it's so fresh. Um, the second book is going to be dealing a lot more with how you guys were talking about identity is grit and them trying to figure out their identity and um dealing a lot more with their their struggles and their 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 um their struggles that they have from trauma like and trying to deal and cope with a lot of that so um it'll be fun because the after you've already gone through the first adventure the the characters are already established and you know them so it's kind of like returning home with some some the characters, but we're introducing some new characters um, that are uh, actually international characters. So we're finding the book one deals with one specific community uh, that are taking care of magical creatures in the United States. And book two is introducing 
the possibility that there are more communities around the world that have magical creatures and they have different types of magical creatures. So I'll leave it at that, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we're going to let you tell all the stories you want to tell. I know, right? I'll I'll just say, don't buy the book. Just get Darren to talk. Just just keep listening. It's it's all good. But no, I mean, we've talked about your your guys' book and everything. And, you know, this isn't our first interview with you. But tell our listeners a little bit more about what you guys do, not just the book, because you guys do a lot of other things. Yeah, so at Transfiguring Adoption, uh, like we've said before, it is a nonprofit. Our, our niche is showing foster and adoptive parents uh, or any fun-loving family how to use books, movies, video games, and everyday play um, to help kids process past trauma. So one of our big services that we offer is a media review service. So we, we have, there are things like commonsensemedia.com and different things like that where they look at the movies coming out and they tell you how many F-bombs have been dropped in a movie. And, and exactly, like if you go to five minutes and 32 seconds, the F-bomb is dropped here. And so be prepared. Like we, our niche is we realize our kids coming from traumatic pasts, they've already been exposed to that. It's not that we don't care maybe that what kind of language that they're using or being exposed to, but they've already been exposed and they can use swear words better than I can so so, it's true like I learn new things all the time um so like so instead of we're not preventing them in our reviews from being exposed to it because they've already been exposed um what we're doing is we're looking at the latest movies books and even video games through a trauma lens so our reviewers are then trying to say hey this could possibly be triggering for your child and and remind them about past trauma and emotionally make them relive that past trauma. Um, They're also going through and they're looking at the healthy discussion topics. So if a a book like like Grit's Hope, like they would go through and tell you like, these are all the themes in the book that you can have a healthy discussion with your child about after the movie. And then they go one step further and in the review, they give you discussion questions. So they, they tell you like exactly what questions to ask to start a conversation with your child. And they tell you how to do it and why you're asking the questions that you're asking. So it, it's a phenomenal service. I learn stuff all the time. Like our, the reviewers are trained and they're, they're just, they're amazing. Um, but yeah, they, people can find out more about that at transfiguringadoption.com and just take a look at our media review service. And we, since we talked with you guys, we're also offering uh, workshops online. So we have live workshops that we do with parents as well and educators. And we also uh, offer self-paced. So they can just download the workshop and go through the whole program on their own. Um, the live ones are nice because people can um, apply for certificates. So they can work with their foster care agency and see if they'll allow them to get continuing education credit hours for their uh, licensing hours. Oh, yeah. We always need those. (laughs) They're hard to come by. You forget about it. And then they're like, oh, it's time to renew. And you owe us like 16 hours. I just want to ask them if if do it, does doing these podcasts, does that help? Can we just call that? (laughs) Because we have like a hundred and. 15 or so out there now that should be enough oh yeah right sure why not (laughs) absolutely hey you know we're and and with the work i mean why not like our our workshops like so with the media review service that i talked about like one of our workshops is is completely 
um, my wife takes you through how, like how to use media to talk with your kids. So like, even like with the new book coming out, like this workshop, it's called Entertainment Power. And she shows you exactly how to do that with any book or any movie. Um, the other one, the one that I, we came out with one for educators too, that shows educators how to help kids from traumatic past. The one I like though, is we have one um, for vacations. And so we show foster and adoptive parents how to vacation successfully with kids that have trauma issues uh, or traumatic uh, behavioral things going on, PTSD and sensory issues and whatnot. So that one I have fun with because I get to talk about vacationing at Disney and Universal Studios. So I love it. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to have to talk about that for vacationing because you guys don't have to drive far. For me, that is a long drive. <laughs> You're not flying with a whole tassel full of kids. No. That um, no, no, sir. Which is why you need to go through the workshop because we show you how to have fun after you've driven 24 hours here and <laughs> <laughs> you're at the end of your rope already. A sleeping family is a happy family. <laughs> when we went on vacation down to Corpus Christi a decade and a half ago, that's one of the things that that we did to get down there is we took off. Yeah, what was it? It was it was right about rush hour time. And for us, we were gonna go go west for a ways out, you know, across no man's land before we hit a major center of, of pop, population center out there. So we just we drove through rush hour traffic through nowhere and then we turned and went south out of Kansas City, I believe. And we we drove through the dark for a lot of hours for good reason because yeah, that made a sleeping, happy, quiet <laughs> family. And I drive for a living. So it's easy for me to drive in while they sleep. I'm like, hey, this is what I'm used to. I ride in a quiet vehicle all the time. I was really tired. They were refreshed and we were not. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that, that can be that can be interesting because they're raring to go then after you get there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, they were. That was the one part we hadn't thought about, but it sure made the ride down there a little bit easier. But We've had some great vacations. So one vacation, we came back with a goat in the back of our minivan with our children. <laughs> And we stopped at a McDonald's to get this goat out of the back of the minivan so it could go to the bathroom. And oh, we got some looks. I bet you did. Was, That's awesome. You know, the kids had so much fun. But yeah, I mean, this goat <laughs> had huge horns. And yeah, we put it literally in the back of a minivan. And we did not intend when we went on this vacation, we did had no intentions of buying a goat. Yeah, we weren't bringing <laughs> back livestock, but we brought but it back happened. livestock. Yeah. That's awesome. Fun adventure. That's going in the book, yeah. right? Like what the book you're writing, right, Jason? That's going in your book. You know, um, I, I don't know which one that'll go in. I, I think I have what went on vacation, started? bought a goat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have two or three books started, but uh, yeah, they're just started. I, I don't know if it, they'll ever see the light of day. It's a time issue for me. Yeah. I know I, I talked to a lot of people say, you really need to, I'm like, no, no, no. You need to pay me some money to do this because I don't have that kind of time. And my job expects me to show up every day. I, don't, I can't believe it that they're that picky. About it, right? They want me to show up every day. What's wrong with them, huh? Right. I'm Terrible. offended. I'm terribly offended by that. <laughs> well, Darren, I really do appreciate you coming in and talking about your book here today because I, I'm excited to see more stuff that, that lines up with our ideals coming out things where people can learn about the foster and adoptive community. And if, if everything goes super awesome, it'll encourage people to kind of normalize it so that they see their, their role in this as something other than just a spectator. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely, I totally agree with you. Um, I I really hope that uh, again, if your if your listeners are want to take action, um, definitely go on our social media at Magical Creatures without the last D and uh, start sharing some posts because the more that we can make people aware of this book, again, it's 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 secondary. Uh, goal. I mean, it's supposed to entertain people, but like some of the goal too is to educate the public on what's happening. So we can only do that if if more people are exposed to what's happening. Absolutely. And I don't know about you, but I have not yet cracked the Facebook algorithm. I just know that the more people who see it, the more it can be shared and the more likely it is to make a difference. Absolutely. The more people that are tied, I mean, it just, come on. Come on, you guys, if you're listening, the more people that are talking about it, the more that it's going to get out there. So uh, absolutely. And I'll, and I'll throw out the idea too. We actually have, I can't be ever, I live in Orlando, Florida. So if you're close to Orlando, Florida, I can potentially go for a book signing event at your venue. But if you're far, far away, I obviously cannot do that. But if we have uh, volunteers of Transferring Adoption that live by you, they actually have like a fun little... Um, uh event to put on for kids where they actually have a step-by-step way to show kids how to draw one of the magical creatures and have like a fun story to go along with it to make like a fun little event out of it so if your store your you know consignment store your toy store your bookstore needs some sort of event to get customers in we'd love to do that too that sounds wonderful yeah great great opportunity because yeah i know we have a kid or two who likes to draw and they're super talented, at least that's what I always tell them. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you coming in and sharing your time with us today, man. Um, I just wanted to uh, to throw a, a, a big shout out to Transfiguring Adoption for all you guys have done. I know that you're a foster family. I know you're an adoptive family. I know you've kind of turned your life's work into this thing because that's it lines up with Amanda and I's values very closely. And that's part of what what we're trying to figure out how to do out here and get this message out and change the world because we know that over four between four and 500,000 kids are sitting out there looking for a home today. And whatever we can do to to help that not be that size of a problem will change our future, everyone's future, because we will either deal with these kids and help them to grow into into contributing members of society or we will deal with these kids when they're adults and going into the prison system because the numbers don't lie and it's such a high probability and you and i and margie and amanda and all the other foster and adoptive parents out here are stepping out on that journey and i want to see as many people as we can get to join us on that journey absolutely appreciate you guys so much Okay, citizens of Foster Care Nation, we want to hear from you. We want to hear any stories that you'd like to share with us, anything that might be funny, inspiring, touching, heartfelt, all of those things. That's what people love to hear. So why don't you send us some of your stories? You can reach us at our voicemail line at 413-FOSTER-3. Again, that's 413-FOSTER-3. Now, we're going to assume that if there's any privacy rules that you need to follow, you've already followed them and changed any names that need to be changed because we will play some of this on the air. We look forward to hearing from you. Now, this voicemail has a limit of about, I think, 10 or 15 minutes. So anything longer than that, just contact me at jason at fostercarenation.com and we can sit down and talk about your whole story. (laughs) 
Okay, Foster Care Nation, thank you for listening to Darren's story. Now take his knowledge and wisdom to heart so you can create love and healing in your family and community. Be sure to come back next week. We have new episodes every Tuesday. If you would like to share your story as a guest, you can reach us at jason at fostercarenation.com. You can connect with other like-minded people on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash fostercareuj. And don't forget, we have a Patreon account where you can support our mission for as little as $5 a month. It's at patreon.com slash fostercarenation. The links to everything are in the show notes on your podcast player or at fostercarenation.com. And as always, you are so super awesome. I thank you guys. Thank you for listening. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Unparalleled Studios. Studios.